Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you and uh, great to be worshiping with you. Some powerful time in worship there as we continue to make much of our God. And man, if you're visiting with us or maybe you just got back in town from vacation or whatever, my name is Pastor Tim and uh, I'm a senior pastor here at Harvest. I've been out for a number of weeks, had a uh, brain surgery back at the beginning of May, the end of April, and uh, God's just been blessing one step at a time and uh, continuing to heal along the way. So this has been a good week. Uh, still going to be using the chair and uh, that stuff just to make sure that I'm stable. You know, y'all panic if I'm going to tilt and fall into a chair, right? So a little better if we go this route, right? And uh, so the, the dizziness is coming down, which praise God for that, just better and better each and every day, and uh, this past week has been fantastic as far as that stuff, but uh, we'll just anchor it down and be real careful, right? And all of God's people said, all right. So we are diving into a series here. This series is called A Mighty Fortress, and uh, A Mighty Fortress, we are going to be making much of our God as we walk through several different Psalms, all that have the phrase, A Mighty Fortress, or Fortress. God, He is this, this safety net, this anchor, this this place that we can come to, to lean on, to trust in, and to relax in, even in the midst of the storm, a mighty fortress. And we launched last week with just the first three verses of Psalm 46, and uh, Psalm 46, one through three, speaking of the troubles that we come into in this world, and how we can lean on our God in the midst. He is a very present help in trouble. That was last week in verses one through three, and man, may we not fear, God's got it in hand. And so this week, we're looking at the phrase, be still and know. Be still and know. And we're going to be walking the rest of Psalm 46, verses 4 through 11. So turn with me, if you will, there. Psalm 46, verses 4 through 11, as we finish this out, be still and know. And uh, what does it mean to lean on our God in the midst of struggle and trial and be still? What does that look like? How do we go after it? That's what we're looking at today, all right? And, uh, so the first point, trust in him. He is life-giving and all-powerful. Trust in him. He is life-giving and all-powerful. Man, make sure you anchor your trust in God Almighty, in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has it all in hand. All right, so we'll start here in Psalm 46. Starting in verse 4, he says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Let's just hold right there. Now, if you start in verse 4, this sounds like a very positive psalm. It's very upbeat, very um, happy and excited about God and his presence in our lives. But don't forget verses 1 through 3, right? One through three is all about the struggle and the trial and God being a very present help in trouble. Now he's going to talk a little bit about how we know that, how we can lean on that and trust in that. Do not lose sight of the word trouble. Everybody just say trouble. And so in the midst of that, Lord, give us hope. That's what we're looking at here, all right? So he starts out, there is a river whose streams make glad. The city of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And, um, you know, you got to remember, cities were built around waterways, around rivers, right? It's not like today where we walk up and we turn on the faucet and water comes out. And if it's not quite cold enough, we're like, unbelievable. And then we sit there and wait for a little bit as it cools down a little bit. And then we're like, finally, 
right? Like that's the way we live life today. It's also right there and right on hand. But back then, things were built around the presence and provision that God had made in the natural settings. And a river, utterly essential for the, uh, basically the growth and the health and the life of a city. And he's like, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Like every time you go and get a bucket of water and you're like, I thank the Lord that I have this provision. That's what he's talking about. There is life that comes. There is laughter that comes. There is hope that comes in the river that God provides in. And uh, he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, this is actually referring to Jerusalem, but it's really just wherever God is and his presence is established. We'll see that in just a second. But the city of God, Jerusalem, and God giving his presence there, right? They had the temple built, and then inside the temple, the holy of holies, and the very presence of God there. And so all of a sudden, this river starts to become a metaphor as well. It's not just physical water, but it's the living water of God Almighty pouring into the community. Life because of the presence of God. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Ready? The holy habitation of the Most High. Definition of the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God with us. And that's hope. God with us. Life with us. And, and here's the deal. We get to look back from post-cross, after Christ has gone to the cross, and the Holy Spirit now takes up residence. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe he is risen from the dead, if you confess him as Lord, ready? If scripture says, if you are saved, man, we are told that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within. We are called now the temple of God Almighty. You if you trust in Christ, have become the holy habitation of God. Get that? This is the presence of God in you and this massive statement of life and the rivers of God's provision into your life being able to make you glad. What a hope we get to have as they were looking at the physical elements and we now get to see how God is answering that even spiritually in our lives. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. We can have hope and life in God with us. And all of God's people said, and that is huge hope. And it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The presence of God brings absolute confidence the presence of God brings such provision, such protection, such peace that there is a, I will not be moved by the troubles of this world. There is nothing that's going to come. Remember in verses 1 through 3, the earth moving, the mountain moving, the waters moving, none of it is going to move the one anchored into God Almighty. And uh, He's like, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. I'm not sure if you get this. But the presence of God palpably experienced in your life is utterly essential to your confidence in him. And experience and drink deep of the presence of God in your life. Do not miss out on the greatness of God at work moment by moment. Huge deal. It says, she shall not be moved. The confidence 
that we can have as God pours into our life. It says, God will help her when morning dawns. God will help her when morning dawns. Now, it's not like God is sitting there watching his watch and going, oh, hang on. And this is actually a metaphor. And when you think about it, the night, the darkness, and, and, and that's kind of the metaphor of the time of trouble. And that darkness, that overnight time where things are not going well and the struggle is at hand. And, and then all of a sudden, as the dawn breaks, it's like God coming in with his palpable power and presence as he moves in the place. It's like dawn has come. The, the refreshment that comes as I can set down the pain, God is bringing some hope in the midst of. And hear me, man, it's like through the midst of the trouble, I am longing for the presence and the experience of my God with me, morning dawning. This is a broken world. Everybody just say it's a broken world. And don't lose sight of that. And all too often we start to live life where we're like, God, I expect to never struggle. And just so you know, that's a terrible plan. And uh, this world is broken and we do have struggles we will face. And in the midst of it, God gives us hope and life and promise that he will be with us and we will not be moved. That's the statement being made here. Hope in him. And God will help her when morning dawns. And all of a sudden, the provision of God coming in in the midst of the deep struggle. It says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. And don't miss this. God is in charge. The nations rage, right? They're like, we're pretty ticked off at you. That's what he's saying. They're like frustrated with God because they're not getting what they want. There's an upsetness across the nations for man being about man. And they're raging and they're screaming out, but they totter, they fall. God is in charge. He puts it in place. And it says, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The spoken, powerful word of God. What he says goes. And in the beginning, God said, let there be, and there was. And that's the power of our God and his word. And I'm telling you, in the end, Revelation 19, it says Jesus Christ will come with one weapon, the spoken word. And the power of God in his spoken word is everything. He speaks, and it is. And, uh, really, let's be real. Most of us as parents would love to have that power, right? <laughs> You're like, I speak, and at least they know what I would prefer. That's kind of how it gets played out. And God is like, no, I speak, and it is, and that's the way it goes. And God in charge, him ruling over all. It says, the Lord of hosts with this, is with us. Now, this is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is the personal name of God being used. Every time in the Old Testament that the personal name of God is used, Yahweh, you will see it translated across as all caps, L-O-R-D, everything capitalized. That's saying to you, personal name of God used. Now remember when you go back to Psalm 46, verse 1, it starts out, God is our refuge and strength. But there, that's different. Notice it doesn't say capital L, capital O. There it's Elohim. It's this God of all power 
transcendent and authority given to him, right? This is the God of power in verse 1. Now we get here to verse 7, and it says, Yahweh, the one who is present with me, the personal God whom I may know, God with us, our hope, the Lord of hosts, of all of the angels and of all of the believers, him over all, present with, loving on them, pouring into them, God with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. Man, you are not alone. If you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, if you lean on God Almighty, if you trust in him in the midst of the storms, hear me, you are not alone. It then says, the God of Jacob, and uh, that's God ruling over Israel, Jacob being one of the fathers, the patriarchs there. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our fortress, and uh, literally, he is our high, safe ground. He is the one who is our protection in the midst of battle. And uh, you heard us sing in the second song we sang here in the worship set, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, right? It's kind of a hymn from way back. Martin Luther wrote that, and uh, he wrote it based on Psalm 46, just so you know. Psalm 46 was his anchor point as he began to bring the truths out about the greatness of our God. And he is our fortress, a bulwark never failing. Most of you are like, I don't know what a bulwark is, right? And uh, just so you know, this whole safety net of protection, the forced, the fort around and the security of God not letting in beyond what you're able to handle with his grace present. Hope. Your God is a mighty fortress in this broken world. And, uh, and then notice it says the word after it, Selah. And, uh, so there's a lot of argument about that word, and it's not exactly clear what it means. It's probably some kind of musical statement of rest, but it probably has more implication to it, like rest in that, right? And there's this huge statement of rest here. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Man, as we face troubled times, we can lean on him and count on the troubled times coming and count on God being there with you. And all of God's people said, this past week has brought a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. There's been some pretty tough things that have gone on. And uh, one specifically, very sweet young couple here, um, Caleb and Laura Smith, uh, had a baby this week, Olivia. And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit that they wrote. They've posted a few things on Facebook of some of what they're going through. And I just want us to be aware and for us to be uh, partnered with and for us to learn in this too. And so here's a few things that they wrote about some struggle and heartache that they've gone through this week. Ready? Our sweet baby, Olivia, was born with a rare brain abnormality at birth that we were unaware of throughout pregnancy. Olivia was born June 5th at 12.07 a.m., 6.2 pounds, 18 and a half inches long. Our joy as we rushed to the hospital was surreal and we couldn't wait to meet her. As she came into this world, our hearts were crushed, and we were shaken 
beyond belief with the news that no parent wants to hear. Your baby more than likely only has an hour or two to live. Well, as they pulled her away from Laura and attempted to give her oxygen for support, Laura demanded her back on her chest to spend what time she had left with her in our arms. She immediately perked up and Jesus gave us our first miracle of our journey. She continues to shock the medical field and overcome every milestone and doctors told us that she most likely would not conquer any of those. Jesus is still working miracles in our broken world today. We are believing that our God can, our God will, and even if he doesn't, we will praise him. Pray for her to continue this journey with us as we know the time will be short, but we are thrilled to be her parents and hold her close until God shows us the plan he has for her. Trust in the middle of heartache, man. Laying it on the line with all they've got, and they wrote this. Our plan, our plan is to hold our sweet baby oh so tight during our time with her and to check things off her bucket list that we've created with our little boys. We believe that this earth is just a way station. Our home is in heaven. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. We are just passing through this world. The moment we take our last breath on earth, we will take our first breath in heaven. We don't know answers, but we know that we serve a God that has a plan, and he loves us. They're trusting in him. In the midst of struggle and in the midst of heartache, trust. So here's what I'm going to ask. And what are you struggling with? And what is your heartache? What is your fear? What is your nightmare? What is your pain? What is it that you're holding on to and wish you didn't have to? It's time to trust your God. Trust. We've talked about this before, right? Kind of three legs to the journey of trust. We have to embrace that God knows everything. He knows everything. That God can do anything. And that he loves you with all he's got. Man, when our trust falters, we are shaky in one of those three, if not more. He knows everything. He can do anything. And he loves you with all he's got. Are you ready to trust your God? To hand over to him whatever you're struggling with and say, this is in your hands. I trust. Here's what I'm going to ask. Let's just all take a moment right now and let's pray for the Smith family, all right? So just right where you are, close your heads, or close your eyes and bow your heads. And here's the deal. You might even be like, I don't even know how to struggle through or how to trust in the midst of heartache. Well, let's walk through some prayer time for them right now where I lead it. You're praying out as well, just silently where you are. And man, maybe this is even a moment where you're beginning to learn what it looks like to trust in the midst of struggle. All right?
Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Lord, we cry out and we long for you to move in this broken world. Lord, we trust that you know everything. You know it all. And we worship you. And just right where you are, worshiping and praising him in the silence of this room that God knows all. And God Almighty, that you can do all, all power in your name. You speak and it happens. You are in charge. We praise your name. And just silently where you are, praise him for his power. God, that you love us with all you've got. You are right here with us. Your presence, stunning. Thank you for your love, God. You are awesome. You provide in ways we cannot imagine. Your love is amazing. It's right where you are, worshiping him. Now, Lord, because you know all and you can do all and your love is so present in our lives, we pray that you would move in the lives of Caleb and Laura and Olivia and the rest of the family and extended family. God, may you provide. May you provide a peace. Lord, may you provide a healing. May you provide a wisdom. God, may you bring a calm that is unexplainable except that it's your presence. Just right where you are, crying out for God to move. Lord, we do pray that you would continue to work in this family. We thank you for their sweet, sweet trust in you. You are awesome. Lord, this world is broken and we praise your name that we have eternity to hope with. Eternity with you. Lord God, we love you and we thank you for all you do for us. And now we just pray for this sweet fam. So often with tears in eyes as they're wrestling with the moment, God, would you give them a palpable sense of your presence Would you move, God? Would you cry out on their behalf as Romans 8 promises? Would you give words for their wordlessness? Would you give healing to their hearts? Would you give moments that are so, so precious right here and right now that they can hold on to those and praise your name in this broken world? We trust you, God, in this sinful, broken world. We trust you and we hurt 
and we lean on you. It is in the amazing name of Jesus Christ I pray these things. And all of God's people said, Don't kid yourself, man. This world is broken. It brings heartache. And we have a God who is restoring one soul at a time, one moment at a time, one place at a time, in this moment, for things that will last for eternity. Most of it we will not understand. Ready? And all of God's people said, but we will trust in you. Everybody say, I will trust in you. That's point number one. Point number two. Be still. Don't push back against your God. Exalt him as you encounter him. Be still. Don't push back against your God. Exalt him as you encounter him. We start out here in verse 8. The psalmist writes, Come, behold the works of the Lord. This word come, it's an invitation. You are welcome into the presence of God Almighty. Come. He's like, get over here, man. You don't want to miss this. Come. And then he says, behold the works of God. Man, I'm just telling you, this is a huge moment of exaltation, a huge moment of worship. When we encounter the living God, right, and we encounter through experiences that we have, we encounter through the word we read and the truth that it says about him, we encounter our God in the word and in life and living. When we've encountered him and we're beginning to grasp who he is, our next step, exalt. Encounter moves to exalt. Don't miss it. When you've seen God in all that is his glory in scripture, when you've seen God moving in this world, when you've seen God providing into your life, spend time exalting him. Lift him up. And he tells us exactly how to do it. He's like, behold the works of the Lord. First step, behold. It means be in awe. It means look at the works of God, be stunned by the works of God, and cry out and praise his name. Not unlike as we started the prayer time here and we spent moments honoring God for who he is, that you know all, you can do all. God Almighty, that you love with an amazing love. That's taking time beholding as you are stunned with who he is and you're talking to him and letting him know how great he is. That's beholding. Just saying these words wow, you are awesome. Spend time beholding your God. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold the works of the Lord. Man, these are moments you have seen God work in your life where he has brought a calmness you can't explain. Moments where there has been a healing that should not have happened. Moments where you have been given a precious, gracious taste of God and you're thanking him for it and uh, seeing the works of the Lord. And uh, I'll just tell you this. He's like, be an expert of God and his works. Just so you know, we as human beings, we're much better at being experts of what we want, right? And all of God's people said, right? And so as we walk through life, we're sort of like, yeah, but this is what I want. 
Yeah, but I want it to go this way. Why did it go that way? Why were they doing this? Why wasn't God doing that? What's up with this? I want this. We're like really high experts of want. He's like, be an expert of God's works, not an expert of your wants. Are you hearing me? Be an expert of God's works, not an expert of your wants. That is a huge deal. I'm telling you, emotional decision-making comes down to this. I want what I want what I want. That's emotional decision-making. I'm just aware of what I want. I'm not aware of what God's doing. I don't see any blessings. By the way, closed doors are blessings of a weird kind, right? Well, get that, right? A closed door is God saying, I love you too much to let you go that way. And closed doors, huge leads of God. And the works of God, the mighty, glorious works of God as he works in your life, look for those, seek for those, be in awe of him and say, God, I see your handiwork here. Not even wrong for you to be really honest with him at times and saying, that's not really where I wanted it to go, but you're in charge. And if that's where you want it to go, then that's where it goes. You're in charge. Be an expert of his works, not your wants. May God get all the glory. Behold him and all that he is doing in your life. He's like, let me be really clear about what kind of things he's doing. He's like, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Like there have been nations trying to rise up against God and say, you're done, we're in charge. And God's like, not so much. And he brings desolation. He like lays it to bear. I'm in charge. He puts the rebellion in place. And he's like, just so we're clear, there have been desolations on the earth. Now he goes a little bit further in. And just so we understand, a lot of the Psalms are built on Hebrew poetry. That's like parallelism. So they say something, then they try to say it again several times over, making the point in different ways, all right? And so he's like, there have been desolations on the earth. Now, kind of a three-part parallelism here as he says, uh, he makes wars to cease to the end. Like our God is a God of peace. He will bring peace. And in the end, perfect peace for all of eternity. Praise God. As there's no more tears and no more sorrow and no more heartache and no more brokenness and no more of this world coming up short because of the sinfulness and all of it. There will be perfection, and God is restoring little bits at a time and bringing us right to that precipice. Praise be to God. He's like, this is our God. He is the one who puts an end to war. Second part, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Like he takes the rebel's tools and snaps them. There will be no more, right? Can you imagine that moment? And war is done as he snaps bows and spears all over the place. There's no more rebellion. There's nothing to rebel with. I'm taking away your tools. But it actually speaks a little more too. He's like, and mine are being set down as well. War done. God doing a huge work. And then his last one, not just he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, but he burns the chariot with fire. That's putting a pretty serious end to that tool, right? He's burning the chariot with fire. Done with war. 
done with rebellion, done with the standing against God. This is a huge moment right here of statement about what is coming into eternity. As we go into heaven, a peace ushered in, Christ being King of kings and Lord of lords, ruling over all. He is the Prince of Peace, and he is our hope. And Psalm 46 has a lot in it about the end moments of the promise of our God as well, that end times promise of who he is. And we see a little bit of it right here as he puts an end to all things rebellion against God. Our God, we truly can trust in him. And as this psalmist was writing, he was reflecting on the authority of God into this world and into the rebellion around the world and God putting it in place. What works is God doing in your life? It may not be on the national level, right? Like this writer is seeing the national results of what God is doing, but it might be at more of a personal level. Maybe it's something going on in your soul where you know a year ago you could never have tolerated the situation you're in, and yet now God's doing a work. Maybe God's doing something where he's walking you through a process and you're being healed and you're being restored. Maybe he's giving you an insight to his word or an understanding of who he is and your worship is taking off like never before. Stop and take attentive moment to understanding what is he doing? Come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold the works of the Lord, the one who loves you and is right here with you. Be in awe of what he's doing in your life. And take a moment to make sure you truly know and understand what it is that God's providing into your life. Well, once we've beheld him, then what do we do? Like, okay, God's awesome. And then I told him that. And... Uh, Next piece, huge part of the exalting, be still, be still. Like once you've seen how often awesome God is, usually we tend to run off into the next thing. We're like, yeah, well, now I got to, and we start getting very active and we're making things happen. And he's like, just so you know, the appropriate response is behold, and then be still. Now, just so you know, the word be still does not mean be inactive. It doesn't mean do nothing. Everybody say it doesn't mean that. No, what it does mean is it, it, it literally means stop fighting. So I'm going to ask you to do something just right where you are. You want to rest things on your lap. If you've got a Bible or whatever, rest it in your lap. Just hold your hands out in front of you, okay? Maybe like this, okay? Picture like a three-year-old pushing against mom and dad right? You're seeing this tantrum at the store, and mom wants them to do something, and they're like, no, right? And this is a very typical, like, I don't want that. And be still literally means this, okay? That's be still. Drop your arms. Stop resisting. Be still. Literally, no more of this, God, what are you doing? God, why aren't you? God, I want you over. I want, I want. God, get over here. And God, why are you resisting? And he's like, no more of that. Drop your arms. Be still. No more fighting. No more battling. 
You're trusting him sometimes with tears welling up in your eyes as you long for him to move. I trust you, God. And because of who you are, I will rest in you. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Dude, that's trust. That is being still before the Lord. He's like, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, here's what it doesn't say. Be still and know what's coming next. Doesn't say that. Uh, Be still and know exactly what my solution is going to be. Everybody say it doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. Be still and know exactly what the whole plan and purpose is. Everybody say it doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. It says be still and know what? That I am God. Welcome to me. The fullness and the greatness of God Almighty in your life. The presence and the power and the love and the knowledge and the know this God. That is worship on fire. Lord God, I don't get what's going on with this problem. And I don't care. I'm leaning on you, maybe like never before. God, I don't understand what you're doing and I don't understand where you're going, but you're in charge. I've dropped my arms. You are the one who knows everything. You are the one who can do anything. You are the one who loves me with a love I cannot explain. You are awesome. Be still and know that I am God. Just say that phrase out loud with me. Be still and know that I am God. And I'm telling you, these are words that are easy to say, and they will challenge the depths of your soul. Please hear me. God is right there with you. He knows exactly what you're struggling with, and he even knows how hard it might be in this moment to set it down and trust. He loves you. With all he's got, he loves you. And in the depths of who you are, come to him. Trust him. And lean on him even when you don't get it. And all of God's people said, be still and know that I am God. He says right after it, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And uh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Know it, man, it's coming. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I have not put my faith and trust in Christ. I don't know where I stand with him. Man, take this moment Maybe there's some moment of trauma you've been going through, some heartache you've had to face, and you're like, how could a 
Good God, allow that. True worship, ready? God, you know things I do not know. And so I'm not going to question your goodness and your love. I'm just going to ask that I, as I am broken before you and leaning on you, could sense your presence with me right now. Set the fight down. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted, God says. He will be lifted up. Man, our practice as believers is to exalt him every moment we get. Every moment, every breath, may we behold the works and the greatness of God and may we be still before him, exalting him with all we've got and setting aside whatever sin we're holding on to. God, you take over and watch him do an amazing work in you. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Does that sound familiar? Right? Go back to verse 7. Look at the end of verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's the exact same thing. He's like, I'm telling you twice over. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? All caps, Yahweh. He is the one who is with us. The Lord of hosts is right here with us. And you are not alone. You are not struggling alone. You are not alone. Your God with you. Lean on him with all you've got. Trust in him with all you've got. And watch God work. It says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our high, safe ground. He is our security. He is our safety. He is our hope. He is our life. He is our God Almighty. He is our fortress. And all of God's people said, man, our simple challenge is this. Lord, may I exalt, not just when things are going well, but even when things are going poorly. Even when I'm facing troubles I would never want to face, may I trust in you. Lord, I'm ready to set down my fighting. I'm ready to drop my arms and be still. Exalt your king. And we hear that word exalt and we think of it maybe a little more actively, like scream out praise. And it does mean that, but it's so much more. It means behold the works he's doing. Drop your arms from fighting and let God lead. Exalt your king. May he be exalted. Everybody just say with me, may you be exalted. May you be exalted. Say it bigger, say it louder. May you be exalted. That's Psalm 46.